This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Marginalised communities are more often than not subject to stereotypes and misconceptions that are not only hurtful but help to perpetuate discrimination against these communities from other people. Now, through the Ngang and Pipet programme, um, Akar Umbi brings together young individuals from different communities to share their stories and break down these walls between them. Now, with three sessions already carried out thus far, I'm joined today by Wong Chen Li, Akar Umbi's impact driver to find out more about the program. We are also joined in the studio by two participants from the program, Shireen Ajani and Sumitra Naidu, to share what their experience was like. Thank you ladies for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Now, um, Chen, maybe before we start, right, could you give us a brief refresher on um, about Aka Umbi and, and how you came up with this um, Ngang and Pipit program? Um, so hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. Um, so Aka Umbi is a non-profit and non-governmental organisation that we started in year 2021 to address the issue of marginalisation in Malaysia. So what we see is that there, there is a huge gap in between uh, equality uh, for people who have access to resources and opportunities. Um, so our aim is really just to close these gaps through community building and community bridging program. So the reason why we started Engang and Pipi is because we realised that um, communities don't generally hang out with other communities unless you meet them in schools or at work, but you you generally will not meet people outside of your own comfort zone. And we also started to see, um, you know, misconceptions on news, right, about refugees, for example, or Orang Asli or people from the B40 group. And I think these are very damaging stereotypes to have um, and also maybe created some form of fears or disunity among our communities. So we started this Enga uh, and Pipit um, because we kind of had a pilot last year in 2022 mm-hmm. between refugees and Malaysians and we realised how much power it has when people started to share their stories with each other. Yeah. Mm. Um, what was the reason behind the name of this program? I found that quite a unique name. Yeah, so um, for Malaysians, I think it will be quite familiar that we have an idiom that says Enggang sama enggang, pipit sama pipit, baru boleh terbang bersama. So in a, in, in a nutshell, it means that if you are hornbills, you just hang out with the hornbills, which is a bit more regal, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you are sparrows, which is a bit more timid, small, um, you only hang out with the sparrows. But I found that very, um, I really didn't like it mm. because I felt that the classism is so so strong in this idiom that I realised that actually Enggang can hang out with Pipit one, it's okay. So that's <laughs> why we, we came up with the name Enggang and Pipit. Mm. Yeah. So you've had three sessions uh, thus far from your pilot pro- uh, project last year, what has what has been the focus of these different sessions and, and what has the feedback, the reception been like so far? So um, our format is actually very simple. We basically have people from different walks of lives um, to come together and just um, really just share their stories and also have very intentional time where they discuss stereotypes that are tied to their identity. So the the first um, event that we had was between refugees and Malaysian youth mm-hmm. from um, from schools. So um, I think, especially for the Malaysian kids, right, they were quite surprised to learn some new things about refugees, lah, because that could be the first time that they meet refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found that 
with young people, it is so much easier because they didn't have any form perception yet. Maybe just out of curiosity more than anything. Mm-hmm. The second one was uh, the one that Shireen and Sumitra was were, were attending. It was between um, the Orang Asli and also uh, the general Malaysian population. I think there were a lot of misconceptions about our indigenous community. And the things that we read on the news can be very disempowering mm-hmm. in terms of their narrative. Um, so um, same format, also stories and also breaking of stereotypes. And the last one that we had, which is also between uh, Malaysian youth in general and mm-hmm. also with refugees as well. Yeah, and we are having an upcoming one, uh, which will be a bit more of a general population between Malaysians. Mm. And uh, I'll ask you a bit more uh, about that later. But you know, turning to both of you, Shireen and Sumi, I want to find out more a bit about you. Um, maybe I'll start with you, Shireen. You know, tell mm-hmm. me a bit about yourself and how you came to participate in Inkang and Pipit. Okay. Um. Basically, uh, I'm also an indigenous myself. And uh, previously, how I, I come to know about the Akaumbi because uh, one of the uh, Akaumbi um, director, Ms., uh, Mr. Kevin, he approaches for uh, to write and um, writing about how the Orang Asli undergraduates are working together, uh, empowering the community in different varsities. Because I founded this uh, association uh, known mm-hmm. as Persatuan Mahasiswa Orang Asli Malaysia. So um, this association, we have like, Actings uh, of the Orang Asli sub-tribes because Orang Asli, like most people know, like they thought it's only one general Orang Asli, but actually we are divided into further acting sub-tribes. And um, since Orang Asli uh, undergraduates, there are not much in many universities. So I, uh, I founded this uh, Persatok with uh, a few of my peers because we want to become the support system for our Orang Asli's undergraduates and communities. So when we came upon um, the first event that we did with Akarumbi about the writing, about changing the narrative of uniting Orang Asli students uh, to make a difference in their communities by the Akarumbi, and suddenly uh, Mr. Kevin like, approached me like see whether I could actually participate in the Enggang and Pipet session. So I was thinking, like, hey, what is this Enggang Pipet? Right? Something like very new for me because for me, something like, New, so I just like okay. Uh, I think I'm uh, I'm interested in that. And then he was telling me like okay, you have to bring like some participant from the Orangsi people, like you know, like the uh, university undergraduates who can participate in the session where they can actually help to share about the perspective that the the other mainstream society always thinking about them. Yeah, mm. uh, as Orangsi because. Uh, this is the thing that we 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 feel like many of the Malaysian doesn't know that there's also orang asli that establish that are uh, studying in different or you know uh, renowned universities at Malaysia and they are doing great. So because if you open paper or you read uh, news about orang asli, most of the time it's all about orang asli and the customary land issues. Orang asli is the most uh, how say um, left behind in the sense of education mm-hmm. and also their health and everything so on. So um, basically. That the the Engam Pipet give us a chance to interact, maybe not with mal- many Malaysian, but few Malaysian who are actually willing to hear the story from our own perspective, our own narrative, rather than just reading from the media or newspaper about other stuff, which might be negative in the sense of orang asli way of story uh, storytelling. So I I feel like be honored because uh, Chenli and Kevin like from Akaumbi invited us to be a part of this amazing journey, and I feel like um. Throughout that station, I learned a lot, not only um, 
about the perspective given by the other Malaysian towards orang asli but I think my own perspective towards the other races mm. uh, in general because maybe I feel like sometimes like you know uh, uh, how say um, like Chinese they are very good at uh, math and they're very good at money they're rich you know so uh, Indian mostly they're very bossy <laughs> so, <laughs> so but they're very good at as a, as a, you know uh, argumentative so this kind of uh, perception that I have because uh, when I was growing up I grew up in Uh, primary school whereby it's, uh, it's a scholar orang asli like mm-hmm. all my friends are my family members so I never been uh, exposed to the orang asli apart from my own family members and I just started to learn bahasa when I entering primary school mm-hmm. and I only start to fluently see myself learn to speak English when I was uh, pursuing my uh, secondary education mm-hmm. so in secondary education I got that uh, exposed to other races rather than just orang asli which is Malay, Chinese and Indian and it's hard for me to How say uh, bring myself around with them, and I have to learn in the in very different way, and at the same time, not many of them uh, accepting us. So this is what I feel last time. So, yeah, when I go to some people, I feel like I managed to express um, what my struggle is with other people, and it's very good initiative by Kalumbi. Hmm. Um. What about you, Sumi? Tell me a bit about yourself. Um. How did you come to join Engang and Pipet? Thank you, Suen, and uh, good day to everyone who's listening in. My name is Sumi. And I work as an animator in a production house. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I create uh, is content for children. And how I came to Engang and Pipit uh, to know about this uh, program is actually through a friend who mm. works very closely with Aka Umbi. And so she sent an invite to, to me. Um, and can I be honest? I actually was not... Like, it wasn't something I wanted to go for because generally, it's not like I made space in a Saturday for that. Uh, and I thought to myself, like, oh, I didn't want to go for it. But honestly, as I thought about it, um, you know, I, I this voice behind me kind of said, like, you know, you always say you want a better Malaysia. You always say you love people, you love your country. And a big part of showing how you love someone is actually getting to know what they think about and what struggles they have. Mm-hmm. And you cannot separate the people of the land from the land that you love. And so I said, okay, um, I don't really know how I feel about this. I don't know what to expect, but I want to go for it. And I'm so thankful I did because it was one of the best experiences I've had um, this year. And I actually would recommend anyone to go for it. Hmm. All right. Um, I, I think it goes back to it, well, hearing from Sumi and Shireen uh, Chen. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? Sometimes we don't realize it, but we tend to stay in our own bubbles. We stay with be we make friends, we mix around with people that we feel comfortable with, even though we say we are a multiracial um, Malaysia, but. More often than not, you know, we tend to stick into tiny little bubbles. We read about other people based on, you know, what we what we see online, what we see in the news. So um, this is a great way to actually get people mm. together in person on the ground, right? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that what we don't realize as Malaysians is that huh, I'm quite multi multiracial <laughs> friendship. Where I got Malay friends, I got Indian friends, I got mm-hmm. Asli friends. But then, you know, sometimes you hear people say that oh yeah, quite a different um. Indian that I usually think about, huh? you know, that's so damaging, that kind of narrative. Mm. Like, so what kind of Indians were you thinking about? What kind of Malays or Chinese were you thinking about, you know? And some, sometimes we really need to challenge our own per- perception. Mm. Yeah. All right, we'll go for a quick break now and continue this discussion after we come back and we'll find out more about what happens during Ngang and Pipit. On the show with me today are Wong Chen Li, the impact driver at Aka Umbi, as well as Sharina Jani and Sumitra Naidu, both participants of the Ngang and Pipit program. We'll be right back after a quick break on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today are Wong Chen Lee, Aka Umbi's impact driver, as well as Sharina Jani and Sumitra Naidu, both participants of, their, of Aka Umbi's Enggang and Pipit program. Now, before the break, we found out a bit about the program from Chen and then heard a bit from um, Sharina and Sumi about what their own experiences were like um, joining the program. Now, let's dive into more about um, Enggang and Pipit. Now, I understand it's split into two parts. Um, you have the first part being Story Walk, which involves um, participants sharing their stories. Um, Chen, tell me more about why did you choose this format and how it played out among the participants. So the format came about really by an accident, right? Mm-hmm. So Inga and Pipit, although officially we kind of rolled it out as a program this year, uh, it was last year that we realised that this is something, we, we are on to something. Because um, I think I came here for a program called Azalea Initiative before. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, events that, that was organized by the refugee ladies were a friendship picnic. And it just so happened the day before we went for um, an acumen summit and they had this uh, session where they really literally named it Story Walk. Basically, you just meet another person that you have never met before and you spend the next 10 minutes mm-hmm. just getting to know each other by allowing each person five minutes to talk about themselves without interruption. And then the other five minutes will be the other the other person sharing about their story. And then the last five minutes, in total 15 minutes, right, you you just ask questions with each other. And we found that format really powerful because you allow a person to be able to share their narrative mm-hmm. without any interruption, without any influence, or you really start from a blank slate because y- you didn't have to answer for any stereotypes. Mm. You just share your story, where you're from, my community, some of the struggles that I have, uh, things that I like, you know, what I hope for Malaysia. Yeah, and we found that story is a very powerful tool for you to get an insight about a person's lives because I'm more than just my race. I'm more than just yeah. the community I'm from. I'm just more than just the gender that I'm representing, right? I'm My own story is so rich. Please hear me out, yeah. And yeah, that that's the the first format that we have. Mm. Mm. What was it like for both of you to share your own stories during that session? You know, was that something that you found refreshing, challenging? What was it like, Shireen? Uh, basically, I I found that when I share my story, especially with Sumi, right, because I I was sharing with her about how we as a woman, as a leaders, are always being looked upon by other people, especially men, mm-hmm. and how like there's some situation that I faced a uh, bit similar to what Sumitra been facing, whereby whenever we went for a meeting, when it was like actually how uh, how say are uh, dominated by men, they actually refused to look at us at, at the eyes unless if you bring another uh, male peers and they only can listen to us it's some kind of like I, I feel like this only happened when I go to a meeting with um, older generation of men but not the young generation so it's kind, it's kind of challenging because they see us based on our appearance and our youth and uh, I feel like when I, I shared I shared that with Sumitra and she also shared the same experience of hers where she had to bring a male uh, partner of hers when she want to uh, uh, meet a people for her business uh, uh, perspective right so it's like we we share the same journey even though we are from different race even though we are from different upbringing but just because we are women we will deem to face the same kind of challenges but what at at the end of the conversation during uh, the Ngam Pipit uh, session I I found that um, more 
relief and I feel like I have a support, supportive people. I found a new supportive partner that, you know, can actually help me uh, navigate through my life to be a woman leader and to empower another woman. Because I always believe in their uh, slogan, woman support woman, you know, for woman empowerment. <laughs> yeah. So when I found her and I saw Chen Li, I, I feel like more empowered to as a woman leader to do what I want to do and to help my own community. So me? So, like I, like I mentioned in my story, one of the main reasons I went for Angang and Pipit is because I wanted to hear someone else's story, you know. So, uh, being able to share my story was a great part of that, um, part of the process, that whole story walk. Mm. It was such a great idea. Like, you know, I I remember, like, thinking, I was like, oh, I'm so going to take this to my own, like, groups and do it, you know. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because, like, when I was sharing uh, my story with this girl, so the first, the, we had different sessions mm-hmm. of breakouts. And so the first one, she's this really cute, timid, shy woman. Uh, she's a student, actually. And um, her name was Rema. And, you know, she at first she didn't really want to open up because she only spoke Malay. So I think that, you know, we weren't really, like, uh, finding common ground at first, you mm. know. But then as we continue to talk, her story is incredible, right? Mm. And so, um, so when I shared with her my story... Like she was like all ears because part of the part of the process is after you listen to them, the second part is you have to represent them to someone else. Mm-hmm. So you pay more attention because you don't want to misrepresent the person <laughs> in the next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as I was uh, sitting with her and talking to her, man, her story was amazing. Um, so she's also Orang Asli, right? And she grew up with no water, no electricity. And every morning, her mom and her and her sisters would have to carry water from the well so that they have uh, water to cook to bathe and this is like four, 4 o'clock 5 o'clock in the morning then she gets she gets ready for school she walks down a, a distance gets packed into a bus with 50 other kids and then goes to school and that's her and then comes back and then you know helps mom with chores and that's her day mm. and she didn't have electricity so she's like 7 or 8 right and so part of me was like I don't have to say about my story you know <laughs> because I had a fairly I, I would say I had a good upbringing con- compared to someone who had no electricity no mm. water and so I think this story brought up so much of gratitude in my heart that you really don't know someone else's story until you hear them say it. And then you have a different perspective of your own story. Mm. So, yeah, and hearing um, like her story as well and how she has come so far, uh, sharing studying law. And, you know, and I was like, oh, man, she's achieved so much uh, for where she's at. And uh, another orang asli uh, man uh, that was there, he as well was sharing how, you know, people have just stereotyped him as an orang asli and how that's affected his business mm. itself, you know. And I, I felt like hearing all these stories collectively just made me realise that there's so little I know about someone else's struggles. And that to stereotype someone is to really... It's like the most ignorant way you can actually know someone is to know them by what their labels are. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I loved this whole story walk journey on both ends. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really shows... That I think it highlights to me that we don't spend enough time actually just listening to someone else tell their story, tell their own story, and not hear it from a third person, a fourth person, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. Well, what was it like for you also, Shireen, to tell these stories to someone else? Because I think, like Sumi, like mm-hmm. you said, right? It's it's one thing for us to listen to someone's story; mm-hmm. it's another thing for us to then represent that person's story mm-hmm. to someone else. Um, what was that like for you? Um. Uh, to be honest, I feel happy. Uh, happy in the sense that 
uh, I able to tell my story, my real version of story rather than other people narrative, mm. and the other person uh, managed to uh, understand it fully and. Uh, like what uh, Sumi saying, she will share it around with her peers. So I feel like it doesn't mean that if you want to change the whole Malaysia, we have to educate like the majority at one time. Because mm. it's, very, it's very hard to do so. But we managed to pick a few. A few people like Sumi and also Chandy, like they're willing to listen to our story and they're willing to share it around, educate their peers about what Orang Asli are facing nowadays. That is a very big um, step. I feel it's a big step that, that these both people are doing. So I feel glad in a sense that we're able to deliver the message and the message was being told 100% mm. <laughs> uh, real by these people who value our sharing with them. Mm. Yeah, I'll move on to the second part of Enggang and Pipit then, which is the breaking the stereotypes group discussion. Now, that that's essentially the backbone of what we are, we're all talking about today, right? Um, Chen, I'll come back to you. Tell me more about this second part and how it works. So breaking stereotype is a session that is a you have to be vulnerable, you mm. know, like um, to be able to be open enough to tackle difficult topics. And I think um, at first when we were piloting this last year, it was a bit scary because we were we were dealing with uh, refugees and Malaysians who may not know each other, right? Mm. So we were picking five different statements of common stereotypes from each community. So for example, refugees are here. Uh, because they want to steal our jobs. And then the Malaysians are unfriendly and just they are unfriendly to people who are not Malaysians. So there are a lot of other stereotypes that we come up with. So mm-hmm. what we did was we break them into small groups um, in a combination of people from different communities and they'll pick up each stereotype and discuss it. And we realised that from that session, there were a lot of stereo- stereotypes being debunked. And they came out of it with the feedback that actually I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it really changed the way that I think about certain communities. So when we brought this back this year in into our format of Enga and Pipit, we found that so powerful because I remember when I was sitting in, I just so happened to be in the same group as uh, Sumi and Shireen, right? And they were they were sharing about some of the common stereotypes that were attached to their identity. It could be racial, ethnicity, or even their own gender, right? And I found like there are two things that came to my mind. Oh, well, a bit more. We are a bit similar mm-hmm. of our own experiences but the other one that came out very strongly is that wow I really didn't know this I didn't know how hard it is to actually just not be denied opportunities just because people stereotype me this way mm. and one of the common things that we heard right in that group is that unfortunately like one of my colleagues who are also in that group found it very hard to find a place to stay to rent mm. because she's an Indian and I think that kind of stereotypes are so damaging and the more I hear from, like, for example, I think, is it Roslan? Mm-hmm. Um, who spoke about how he's being stereotyped as an orang asli and how damaging that stereotype is to him in his personal life and also his own professional life. It's very heartbreaking because we are all essentially Malaysian, right? All of us there that day were Malaysians, not even refugees. Mm. And still we have so much double standard imposed on us. Yeah. Mm. Shireen, what are some of the stereotypes or misconceptions that you've heard either personally or even through your Orang Asli communities and networks um, within your family, your neighbours? What what have you heard? How, I, I guess I'm, this is also quite a vulnerable discussion, mm-hmm. right? How hurtful have they been for you? 
Um, I think basically when you're speaking about stereotype, there's many kind of stereotype we've been facing, but mostly um, it's oral stereotypes, you know, like how people perceive orang asli as dirty, orang asli as very bad dated, orang asli are uh, still living in the jungle. Mm. But I think the most uh, uh, common that we are uh, stereotype is the wrongly use of the word Sakai and Jakun in our everyday life, in our daily lingo. Mm. Because, um, see... Before, this is history, I just share about the BL history. Before the term of Orang Asli was coined in the 1960s, most of us are known as Sakais and also Jakuns. So uh, Sakai, like for me, I'm a Sakai, but I'm Southern Sakai. Southern Sakai that are uh, uh, mainly in the Selangor, in the Pahang area, mm-hmm. and also Melaka, and Gismilan. And Northern Sakai are those people, like those nowadays known as Semai. Uh, they're living in Perak, uh, Kedah, and upper, upper region. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, The uh, last time I used to hate myself, like when people call me Sakai, like you so Sakai, like I found it very derogatory because from from the words of the our uh, how say elderly Sakai referring to uh, slave, you know. But actually another um, my my history. So when I learned back the history, actually Sakai referring to us, like so many of our history were forgotten because this is. Basically, if you see in the Malaysian uh, history textbook, you cannot find this kind of uh, word or uh, mentioning about Sakai. Mm-hmm. But if you look back at the old journals of this British, like one example I can give is um, from the one book called The Pagan Rises of the uh, of the Malay Peninsula by uh, W. Skid. So mm-hmm. there, they didn't mention about uh, Orang Asli. All the time he mentioned about Aboriginals, Sakai and Jakun. So for me, that is the history that what we... As the youth need to know, not only the orang asli but also the mainstream society that we are actually orang asli originated from the word Sakai and Yakun and that history that we have, which is not mentioned in their mainstream mm-hmm. mainstream textbook, but mentioned in their old journals. And if you look back at the old maps, they can say you can look at the map saying that Sakai land and Sakai reserve are land. So uh, what I'm trying to do through my association, Persatuan Masa Orang Asli, we want to reclaim back the history. Although it might be a stable because some of our elders, maybe they feel hurt and offended. But speaking on the perspective of youth that want to reclaim back our history, like how the blacks are doing in America. So how they reclaim the N-word. So it's like it's like you if if you are black if you use it you are uh, committing an offense. Yeah. So the same thing like for our association we try to educate the mainstream about the Sakai so that the mainstream will not um, misuse the word Sakai to reference something into slur or derogatory words because uh, the meaning of Sakai uh, came from Sanskrit from the word Saki which means friends, mm-hmm. companion, and during the old uh, government. I mean the Malay government last time, the Kesultanan Melayu last time, right? They need this Sakai, the friends in the jungle to help them out to build up their their own, uh, how say, uh, establishment. Because the Sakai last time they're very good at uh, collecting forest uh, forest produce and also helping them to navigate which 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 place you can stay, which place you cannot stay. So there's a lot of things that. Um, the word Sakai actually mean a lot for for us the youth, right? So we want to reclaim back that history of ours. So by educating the masses and what we're doing in our association, whenever we post something, we put their proud Sakai and um, we, we are a nation of Sakai. So mm. it's to reclaim back our history. 
Yeah, so it, but it's a very long road because we have to face this kind of not only prejudice from the mainstream society who say, oh, we already been used Sakai for a mm. long time, you know, like to refer something which is like slur or derogatory. But we also face the prejudice from our own um, community mm. that they didn't know about the real meaning of Sakai. So that's why we try to advocate slowly. It might take a long time, but I believe with the persistency and never give up, we managed to educate the message about the word Sakai and so that the other mainstream society will not use Sakai mm. without, uh, without understanding the real meaning of Sakai. Mm-hmm. And that's all sent to Jakun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like it's such an emotional journey for you as mm-hmm. well, right? Because it's about you reclaiming your culture, reclaiming mm-hmm. part of your, your people's history. Mm-hmm. Mm. So me, what about you? You know, what, what were some stereotypes or misconceptions that I guess perhaps you yourself have faced or what you've realised that you know, so that it was something that perhaps you held, and and through Engang and Pipet realized that this is actually just not true. Yeah, I think there's there's two parts of it. I think from Engang and Pipet, I found out about my stereotypes towards other people. Mm-hmm. But for uh, okay, so if I talk about maybe my own stereotypes at first, I would because I grew up in a, a community where my race was uh, the minority, mm-hmm. and so I was bullied a lot in school. Uh, because of the color of my skin. Mm. And so I couldn't understand it. Because, see, if you stereotype someone because, or, okay, I don't like you because you're lazy, mm. I can always become hardworking. If you don't like me because of my skin color, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do about that? You know, if you don't like me because of my gender, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Change it? Mm. But I don't understand. Like, I, my brain cannot comprehend, like, oh, you're a woman, so you're not going to get hired. Or your your colors. It's beyond our control. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's things that I cannot control. So what am I supposed to do with this information you're now, like, throwing towards me? And mm. it's like, um, the the it's not just the elevation of one race it's the like the putting down of another right and so I think like that was something I had to battle with and the only way that I can say I overcame that even before Ngang and Pipit I had to tell myself like I needed to know who I am because the things like that people say it's external so it, when, if it comes at you it shakes you but you need to know who you are right like even even for Shireen she needed to come to a place where she's like no I'm proud to be a Sakai mm. right I didn't even know like, that's how ignorant I was. Like, I had no idea Sakai was actually, like, a tribe. Because mm. in school, it's used to describe a certain behaviour. Mm. For or, the rest of us, unfortunately, mm. like Shireen said, yeah. we've gotten so used to using it in our lingo as a derogatory term. Mm. Correct, exactly. And so, for me, I didn't even know until I went to Angang and Pipit. And that was the breaking of the stereotype for me. Because I, it's not I necessarily had a stereotype towards um, the, the people of the land, like the princes of the land. But I think that when I thought about it, I... I never bothered to find out whether Sakai and Jakun were... Like, I didn't even bother to find out. You mm. know what I mean? And I was like, how did it not cross my mind? Like, you know, like something that Chen Li was saying, I was like, oh, we call ourselves one Malaysia and mm. we're so proud about being a Malaysian. But like, I was like, these are like simple things I didn't even like cross my mind. And definitely, I didn't have that in, in my schools. I wouldn't say that like my school was racist or anything, but it's like, you know that you say a lot with your silence as well. Mm. Not just the things that you say, it's the things you don't say. It's the things you don't stand up for. So I think being part of that, it's part, I'm part of the cycle. I'm part of the cycle, right? And so things like Angang and Pipit break that cycle. But it's only if we want to take that step together. It's it's a bridge, which means like we're meeting halfway here, right? And so I think that, you know, that stereotype for myself, I learned to deal with it within myself. It's me raising an awareness so the society can actually progress forward. It's not about being perfect. It's about progressing. And are we better today than we were yesterday? Are we treating our fellow Malaysians better today than we were treating them yesterday? Mm. Yeah. 
I'm really struck by what you said, Sumi. You, you, we say a lot with our silence, and I think that's what happens a lot. We don't, we assume things. We don't realize that there are things that we don't understand, and then, but we just accept it, right? We don't ask questions, and in that way, we perpetuate these stereotypes indirectly. Exactly. We, may, we may not be saying these stereotypes out loud, but we've just like assumed, like, well, oh, okay, lah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just wanna like add on to what they were saying, right? I found mm. that it was so encouraging when I hear. Uh, people like Sumi and also Shireen sharing about their their own effort to break that stereotypes and also like for Sumi to bring that experience back home to really just help people to say that hey maybe we should stop using the word mm. not maybe actually yeah we should stop yeah. using the word yeah. you know and I found myself because of what Shireen was saying about the different like we have Sakai Laut and Sakai Dara and mm. last time we didn't even have like you know, Samaila, you know. It was actually coined by the British anthropologists once they're into Malaysia. Yeah. Mm. And I think these are things that I didn't know. But mm. once I heard from her, I was like, oh, okay, this is really such a yeah. good conversation starter, you know. Mm. So when mm. I meet people, say, hey, do you know the word Sakai? Mm. Actually, it means uh, friends. Friends. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And that really piqued their interest. And sometimes we just need these kind of sessions, right, to give us information for us to bring it back to the community. Yeah. And like what both of them are saying, just uh, we are not trying to change everybody in one go. What we're trying to do is really make a difference in individuals' lives so that they themselves can be the change maker in their own community. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying that in the end, all the participants will be friends. We, we, we cannot claim that. <laughs> but we can say that at least they bring back a bit of the spirit of Enga and Pipit back into their yeah. own community. Mm. All right, we do have to go for another quick break. Um, on the show with me today are Wong Chen Li, Aka Umbi's impact driver, as well as Sumitra Naidu and Sharina Jani, both participants of Engang and Pipit. And that's the program that we are talking about on the show today. We'll be right back on Live and Learn to so keep it here, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su And we are talking about stereotypes and misconceptions against marginalised communities today um, because of a programme that Aka Umbi Society has been running called Ngang and Pipit. Now joining me to share more about the programme are Wong Chen Li, Aka Umbi's impact driver, as well as Shireen Ajani and Sumitra Naidu, who have both participated in Ngang and Pipit. Now, um, Sumi, uh, picking up the discussion that we all three of us were having before the break, you know, I want to turn to you now, what has it been like um, for you to take what you've learned during Ngang and Pipit and, and bring that back home? You know, for example, talking to the people around you, your family, um, about these stereotypes and misconceptions that you've had. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to share with you the story that happened as a result of Ngang and Pipit. So, okay, I was so impacted mm. by that program that the whole the whole week probably, like, up till like the, the next interview that I had, right? I was just telling everybody about it. I was like, oh my gosh, guys, you guys got to go for a Ngang and Pipit. Let's go check them out. And I started telling the story, like Rema's story, you mm-hmm. know, and I, and because I was so careful to not misrepresent her because of the, of like the exercise itself, I was like, I'm not going to misrepresent her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell her exactly what she told me. And I said, continue to tell her story. And I was, so obviously you start at home, right? Mm change starts with you and starts at home so I was telling my whole family about it because okay I'm so sorry like and I apologize to the entire Orangasi community but I have used the word Sakai and Jakun without knowing what it meant mm. and so I use it as a derogatory term even with my siblings like oh you're behaving like this or whatever so 
called out my sister and I was like, did you know that you know, <laughs> this is what Sakai Jakun means? She's like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and she's older than me, right? Mm-hmm. And she, so I grew up in the 90s. She grew up in like the 80s and we were like, we we're on the phone and we we're like, oh my gosh, she had no idea. So we had this conversation. I went to the dinner table. I told my dad, I was like, you know, and it sparked the conversation with my father. My father was like, actually, you know, um, a lot of their land is being stolen from them. And I was, and then so it sparked this conversation at our dinner table where we were like, oh, did you know that this was happening? He said, no idea. I said, yeah, you know, like we, we have to like do something about it. And so we had conversations of what we can do and what, and obviously what other people can do. And <laughs> so like the government and all, you know, a couple of days later after that, my sister gives me a call back and we're just like chatting, right? And um, bad habit that I'm trying to break. I said the word Sakai like towards her as a derogatory term. And she's like, hey, you know, we can't use that word. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, you know, we're not supposed to. I was like, oh my gosh. <gasps> like I, and this moment of realization, I was like, I mean, that it made an impact that my sister was like, hey, remember we talked about this. This is actually not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, why? Like, like God forgive me, you know, <laughs> like, for what, how I'm like treating my fellow men not it's not what you do to their face. It's also how you're treating them outside and behind mm-hmm. behind when they're not there. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be nice to orang asis in front of them or the minorities and marginalized. Oh, yeah, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, I love you. I care for you. I care about your plight. But it's how do you talk about them when they're not there, mm. right? All those things matter as well because, like you said, it perpetuates. It mm. perpetuates if we don't stop it. It, it will keep going. So, yeah. mm. To institute change, it then it's that, right? It's yeah. how you talk about it at any point in your life, not just when you're talking to someone from a marginalized yeah. community. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shireen, you've also gotten people from the Persatuan Mahasiswa mm-hmm. to join the program. Um, could you share a bit? What has that been like for them as well? Have you heard back from them? Um, okay. Basically, right after we finished the program, it's a half a day program. Me and my uh, members, we went for our lunch, like our own lunch within the PMOA and I asked them for their feedbacks. And they say that, hey, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity because we might not able to do that by ourselves, you know, because we have like the kind of like insecurity due to the bullying and discrimination they face in the schools when they were young. So mm-hmm. they're very scared to speak up about these issues, you know. So when Uncle uh, Pipet give us the platform and I, I, I managed to help them to come because uh, most of them, they doesn't come, they are not from KL, you know. Mm-hmm. And we are having the uh, uh, program at uh, University Malaya Center for Malaysian Indigenous Studies. So what my Persatuan do is we have some funds mm-hmm. and we help to support them in a sense that they can travel from Perak, from Pahang, from Negeri Sembilan and from, um, what? from Malacca to actually come mm. travel to to attend and be a participant for this amazing program and the result is I can feel that there's so much of extreme happiness in the sense that they feel more confidence to speak about because last time they are so not only the outside have the prejudice toward them but they themselves have the prejudice toward themselves so after the Ngam Pipet very meaningful session they, they managed to uh, how say relearn back that actually if you want to do something or you want to do some changes, it has to come from yourself, you know. So you have in the sense that you come and you speak out and tell your story from your own uh, from your own uh, mouth instead of just like letting the other people are saying to, to what uh, how say uh, to represent you. So I, uh, that's the, the feedback I'm getting from them. It's very positive. And they said that after this, if there's any program like Ngam people are doing, they will actually ask their, you know, their families or friends who are around KL to also be a participant so that they could have the same, you know, uh, how say confidence to speak mm. out and yeah. fight against this prejudice uh, that they face for years. 
So yeah, very very positive feedback. So thank you, Chen Li and Akang Li. Welcome. End of this month. End of this month, they can come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and wait, before okay. we get to that, you know, I want to also address something. I guess more towards the, our, our listeners, right? Towards mm. society at large. You know, um, I want to ask from each of you, what do you think we as individuals can do better in our own society, in our own circle of family and friends, to just help either dispel stereotypes or just not perpetuate them? Um, I'll start with you, Shireen. Oh, uh, basically, I feel like we can learn from a very good example, like what Sumitra are doing. Mm. You know, uh, she went for the session. She willing to went for the session on a Saturday, willing to how say I learn mm. because I feel like in order for you to understand another human being, you have to learn to listen. If you don't listen, then then you wouldn't wouldn't know what the other person is suffering for years. So what Sumitra and Chenli are doing during the session are very uh, impactful in the sense that they're willing to listen and when they're have the chance to retold back the story uh, uh, told to them by the uh, orang asli participant, they're really trying their heart to uh, say it in the correct way because they don't want to misrepresent uh, the orang asli who shared with them uh, earlier. And at the same time, I, I feel like what Sumitra was doing uh, not only uh, during the session, but after the session where she shared with her family members. So actually, she's she's like become the ambassador from the Ngam, for the Agam Pipet, you know, to, to educate the good thing about the, the session, uh, to, to stop other people to use wrong words or prejudice toward others. And by by right, I, I feel like when she tell her sister, and her sister also warning her <laughs> not to use the second bag, right? So it's like maybe her sister also share with her own uh, friends and peers. Mm, yeah. So it's it's I feel like there's more effective way rather than just social media. Of course, social media is also an effective tool for us to spread the information. But I feel like when you are telling it in person, mm. it's more impactful because that person, um, the the vibes and the energy that the person put when telling the story will be la- lasting in one person's mind. That's why I believe. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think definitely, 100%, you must take a stand mm. that stereotypes are harmful. Mm. You must you must believe it inside yourself. Otherwise, no matter how many Angang and you go for, nothing's going to change because you don't if, fundamentally, mm-hmm. at, a, at a value level, do not believe what you're going for. Mm. Right? And so you have to believe that. It starts with you believing that stereotypes are harmful even if there's such a thing as positive stereotyping I don't know if you've heard that like even that because anything that elevates one race above another is not going to have the impact you want in the long term which is equality because equality equality means we're looking at each other as equals but we are unique you know mm. we're you know unique in our makeup right and so we celebrate diversity but we should shun stereotypes all forms of it whether it's packaged as positive or negative it should be put aside right and I think it's also important to think about it's not just my role. Okay, so I go for income people. I settle it, me, myself, and I, my family. And then, okay, I'm not racist. I don't know about you. We must look at Malaysia as one unit, right? Why? Because a house divided against itself will not stand, mm-hmm. right? And stereoty- stereotyping, racial prejudice, um, bigotry, all those things are just ways of, just it's just semantics of, of division, right? And so if we're thinking about... Um, Malaysia is one unit, one Malaysia. We can, we must come to a place where we got each other. Not just, I'm not going to say anything bad, but I have to be for you. We must be for each other. Otherwise, that we wouldn't truly believe what we're sharing. We wouldn't truly mm-hmm. share and represent one another well. We'll just be like, oh, I'm just passing on the message. And we must come to a place where we don't tolerate these things in our communities, you know. And so if you think about, okay, what makes up like society and how does stereotypes work in societies if you're rebuilding thoughts you're rebuilding society you must ask yourself well what is society right and so a big part of society is made up of like if you think about like 
IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. If you ever assembled IKEA furniture, <laughs> uh, you have different pieces that come together to make a chair. So if you think about what makes society, there's different building blocks that make up the society. And so if you want to answer the question, are we doing everything we are doing as a society? You must look at it in the lens of what makes up society. So government, yes. What is the government doing? Is the government actually making room and space for marginalized communities? There's also economy. Mm-hmm. Like are our businesses actually doing what they can to make sure the marginalized are having space? You've got education. Mm-hmm. Are our textbooks telling the truth? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Are our mm-hmm. textbooks actually putting the right information out there? So children are learning it and in their formative years, not later on, like, you know, me in my 30s, like now having to like go back and relearn stuff, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got media. Social media is great. Media in a lot of countries... Laws have changed because of media. So media has power. Is our media actually perpetuating like what BFM is doing right now? We're actually doing something to make a change, right? And then you have families. Are we having the conversations at the table, right? Celebrations. Are we only celebrating the famous religions and races and all those mm-hmm. things? Or are we celebrating everybody, mm-hmm. right? And then finally, like it or not, Malaysia is a very spiritual country. A recent census um, in the US uh, that they did on religious freedom in Malaysia says 97% of Malaysians actually do associate themselves with some form of religion or another, which means that are your spiritual institutions actually perpetuating the right thing as well. Mm. So I think like having all these questions, looking through the lens of all these different like building blocks of society, it's not just about me. It's me in my place of influence. It's me in media. It's me in school. It's That's how we're going to make change. It's not just me, myself and I. It's me in where I'm put, in where I'm placed. No matter how big or small Correct. that circle of influence is. Exactly. For me, I've always held on to this idea right that we should never ever judge a person based on a collective community mm. because we kind of flatten the flatten the the multiple layers a person has in themselves and i think one of the ways that we can really break stereotypes is to learn to listen and listen without prejudice you listen not to Ask, uh, listen not to respond back, but listen to understand. And I think like what drove me into creating Engang and Pipit was really, it was very painful to read news in the media mm-hmm. that seems to paint a community in a very bad light. And it's scary how people just jump into a bandwagon like, yeah, it must be true. There was no questioning whether is there any room that this is not true mm-hmm. or... Yeah. It is true for this group of people who did it and proved that they did it, but I'm not going to lump the larger community with it. And I think this kind of discernment is severely lacking in our in, in our society. And mm-hmm. it's very scary when you see people spreading it on WhatsApp. And, you know, yeah. as for myself, every time I... You know, my family sometimes also, they just out of concern, hey, be careful, yeah, this one, this one, and this one. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to text back, it's not true, you know. Like, okay, this is not true, yeah. It's debunked already, you know. It's oh, that sounds awfully already. familiar. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all these things are our concern and our love, right? Yeah. And and we, for our family, it's really our concern and love. Yeah. And we shouldn't fault them for that, but we can take opportunity to educate them on that. Yeah. Like my work um, in previous, before I came to Aka Umbi, I used to go into the Oranasi village a lot. Mm. And I have family members who asked me, are you sure it's safe? You know, it's not even about driving safe, you know. It's the community safe. Wow. I say, the community is very safe. 
I feel even safer than in the in the city, you know. <laughs> and it's really taking opportunities, grabbing opportunities to challenge the stereotype, yeah. and return the power narrative back to the community. Don't misrepresent them, and we always say, let them speak for themselves. We don't speak on behalf of them. Yeah. We've been teasing this on and off throughout this whole conversation, Chen. <laughs> what is next for Ngang and Pipet and how can people participate in this next um, session? I'm going to give you the date so that you can block your dates, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> end of this month, on the 29th of July, we have our fourth edition of this year uh, in conjunction with International Friendship Day, where this all started in 2022. So, we will be having a, a Friendship Day edition of Enga and Pipit. All are welcome, no matter what race you are from, which community you are from, what language you speak, but generally we go in both languages, uh, Bahasa and also English. That's one. Um, if you are interested, you can go to our Instagram at our handle is Aka Umbi Society and just register from there. Uh, but if you can't make it this round, we still have two more sessions. One is during Malaysia Day, 16th of September, and then Human Rights Day on 10th of December. So either way, if anyone wants to keep up with what Akar Umbi Society is doing, just go over to the Instagram page. Once again, that's Akar Umbi Society. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, Thank you, you so for having us. I've been speaking to Wong Chen Li, Akar Umbi's impact driver, as well as Sharina Jani and Sumitra Naidu, both participants of Akar Umbi's Enggang and Pipit program. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcast on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this is has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.